Good morning and welcome to our online Sunday service here at St Anne's. It's great to be together again and to be able to worship together this morning. If this is your first time with us here at St Anne's, a very warm welcome to you. Uh, you'll find out more about our church if you pop along to our website www.saintannesagbuth.com where you can see just who we are as a church and you can listen to various sermons that have been uploaded over the past couple of years. You can also access all the online services that have been uploaded during this lockdown period and you can also find the, the Wednesday midweek reflections that Matt and I have been sharing together. Our service today continues our current series on the book of Malachi. And we've been working through this Old Testament book, looking at it as a way of seeing what God might want to say to us as a church, but also to us as individuals, both in terms of where our heart is with God and how our relationship with God is lived out. That's in terms of our Christian living and our Christian giving to God. But before we begin our service, I'm going to lead us in a prayer and a reading as we prepare ourselves to come before God. Because that's fundamentally what we're here for, isn't it? We're here to draw near to the living God, to praise him, to give thanks for all that he's doing in our lives and to worship him. But it can be sometimes that we feel distant from God. And we sometimes carry with us a guilt over various sins that we might have committed. And it's these things that separate us from God. For God is loving and kind and compassionate and forgiving, if only we ask. So right at the start of this service today, I want to just to spend a moment in quiet when we can come before the Lord and confess to him those things that are heavy on our hearts today. And we read in the book of Isaiah these amazing words from Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. So let's do that now. Let's turn to the Lord who will have mercy. Let's just spend a moment bringing to God those things that we want to say sorry for. And having confessed to God, the amazing thing is when we ask, he will forgive because he is loving, he is merciful and he is compassionate. Which is why I can now read these amazing words of absolution. May the God of love and power forgive us and free us from our sins, heal and strengthen us by his spirit and raise us to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. And as God's forgiven people, we're able to come before him, acceptable in his sight, and worship him, which we're going to do now. 
So let's join together as Tim and Liz lead us in our worship. Purify my heart, let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart, let me be as gold, pure gold, refine as
thanks Tim and Liz for leading us in our worship this week. Just before we have our Bible reading read to us, I just want to give a couple of notices. As a church, we continue to do all that we can whilst not being able to open the doors in the physical sense. Uh, We continue to hold our weekly Sunday service online, which is followed by coffee uh, through using Zoom. Why not join us immediately after this service? It would be lovely to see you there. Um, The login details on how to do that will appear on a slide right at the end of this service. We also have our midweek Wednesday reflections that go live at 8am every Wednesday and Matt and I share those alternatively each week. On Thursday, St Anne's Star's toddler group, they continue to meet via Facebook Live. On Saturday evening at 8am, we have our Zoom pub quiz, which is always great fun. And again, the login details on how to do that are through our weekly newsletter. Uh, You can subscribe to that through the website to find out more on how you join in. Uh, We're currently two weeks into our latest What If course, which is designed for anyone who has questions around the Christian faith. For more details on the What If course, if it sounds interesting to you, do get in touch and you can get in touch through the website. Uh, And as I've said, whilst you're there, why not subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which gives you all the information that I've just been talking about and, uh, and lots more besides. It's dead simple to do. It's just a matter of clicking on the website homepage where you can put in your details to ensure that you get that weekly newsletter sent out to you. I'm very aware that lots of people are asking questions about when we're going to be able to open again as a church. We are working really hard behind the scenes on this. The building work is nearly all but finished and we are working towards the week of the 4th of July, which is when the government have said churches may be able to open for public worship. This is obviously at the time of recording. Uh, At the moment, we have no further updates. But simply to say, when we open, things will be different. And we'll be doing everything we can to adhere to government guidelines regarding safe practice, hygiene and social distancing. There will be more information in the coming weeks on this. But in the first instance, we will need to change our service patterns and structures as we can only fit 50 people in church given the two metre social distancing rule. Uh, This will mean that we'll offer three services on a Sunday morning. The first will be a common worship morning prayer service and the other two services will be more contemporary in their style. Uh, And as there will be limited numbers, you'll need to book your place through a booking system that we'll set up on the website, or you can book your place through uh, phoning the vicarage. Between the services, a team of volunteers will ensure that everything is thoroughly cleansed and the used chairs will be swapped out for sterile ones to ensure that the church is as safe as possible. There will be detailed guidelines directing the flow of traffic or the movement of people within the church to ensure that we have no areas of congestion and people will be asked to bring their own face masks if they wish to wear them. Do watch out for more information. Uh, Again, that will become via the weekly newsletter or on the website. I really hope that we are able to open in the coming weeks, as I, for one, can't wait to get back to church, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you all again. I'm really missing just not being a part of things in the physical sense. 
But having said all that, though, it's been great to have so many members of the church family involved in these online services. And this week is no exception. So let's now have our Bible reading read for us. So the reading today is taken from Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can enjoy the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings and righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to test against sorcerers, adulterers and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see, I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not, there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You've spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Now, as it's Father's Day, and happy Father's Day, by the way, to all dads out there, as it's Father's Day, I've got one of my sons to help me this morning. Timothy, do you want to come here? Okay. Do you want to give a big wave? 
Excellent. Now, Timothy, what is your favourite phrase at the moment? It's it's not, not fair. Can you say it again? It's not fair. It's not fair. Oh my goodness, you're starting to sound like a teenager, aren't you? <laughs> now, what age are you? Two. Two. And what are you? Toddler. You're a toddler. Um, That's my, great. Mummy's mummy. Mummy's mummy. What is daddy? Cool. Say it again. Cool. Daddy's cool. I didn't train Timothy to say that. You're probably not going to believe me, but I actually didn't. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? It's raining at the moment. Now, as you've said daddy's cool, I'll maybe forgive you for being a teenager. So do you want to say bye-bye to everybody? Bye. Big wave. Good stuff. Okay. Well, thank you to Timothy for helping me out there. Teenagers, every parent's nightmare. One minute the kids are acting all sweet and delightful, the next thing you know, they retreat into some sort of primordial state and give you grief almost every time you even look at them. It's not fair! And if you do try to point out to them what life is really like, they just turn it back on you or just grunt. Well, at the moment in our teaching series here at St. Anne's, we're working our way through the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, one of the prophets. And you might have spotted that the people of Israel are treating God a bit like teenagers mistreating a parent. There's a pattern in Malachi. God tells them something and they question it. They turn it back on him. Back at the start of chapter one, God says this, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, how have you loved us? Or later on in verse six, it is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? God replies by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? And then at the end of chapter two from last week, you have wearied the Lord with your words. And without even grasping the irony, they reply, but how have we wearied him? See, like a teenager who just doesn't get it, who always has an answer, who never keeps quiet, who always wants the final word, who always pushes back, who always questions everything. So Israel refuses to listen to God. They've shown contempt. They've defiled his altar. They've questioned his love and wearied him. What next? Well, after a difficult couple of chapters, chapter three introduces some hope. God says in verse one that he will come to his people. He'll even send a messenger to prepare for his coming and God will purify his people. And then in verse three, it says that they will bring offerings in righteousness, how they're supposed to. And verse six describes the reason we can have hope. It's because of God. It says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. See, like a parent with troublesome kids, God is used to dealing with his wayward people. Even though his people are fickle, God doesn't change. He will forgive. If they return to him, he will return to them. Reconciliation is possible. And so in verse seven, God says, return to me and I will return to you. And it's going well until the very next verse. But you ask, how are we to return? You see, they don't get it. They're blind to the problem. 
The people don't think they need to return to God. They're quite happy with how things are. If there's a problem, it's all God's fault. Well, God doesn't give a long reply this time. He says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? And you can probably guess the reply by now from the people. But you ask, how are we robbing you? Well, this time, God gives them a more extensive reply. They're robbing him by withholding their tithes and offerings. Now, Gary and Ian have already mentioned tithing in the previous two weeks. It's the practice in the Old Testament whereby people would give a tenth of their income to God's work at the temple for the upkeep of the temple and for paying the priests. It was a very good system. If you earned a little, well, you only needed to give a tenth of a little. And if you earned a lot, okay, so your tenth is a lot bigger, but the 90% you get to keep is bigger too. So it was a fair way of distributing the cost of the temple upkeep. And as well as tithes, there were also offerings, which I'll come back to later in this talk. Now, the people were not giving God the tithe or the offerings. And God says the people were under a curse. So obviously this was fairly serious. But the reason he gives is that they're robbing him. Robbing. How does that sit with you? The idea is that people don't give to God's work, they're robbing him. It doesn't sound quite right, does it? Imagine the next time you get a knock on the door and you open it to a cold caller from Cancer Research and they start berating you for robbing the charity because you've never set up a monthly direct debit with them. I'm pretty sure you close the door straight away and maybe put something right to them with a complaint. Surely God should be pleased with us when we give him something when we put anything on the collection plate. And when we don't, well, that's just the default. It can't really be called stealing, can it? Well, let's think about it another way for a few moments. Instead of money, let's think about time or ability. So imagine Bob. Bob works for a large company. And one day, Bob gets an email from the CEO's assistant to say that he's been selected, along with some other employees, to work on a very important secret project. So every day he has to enter a different building, one with security guards, swipe cards and fingerprint scanners. The CEO is so excited about this project that she visits several times every week, often spending lunch chatting with the team. All of Bob's time is now allocated to the project. The CEO trusts him. He's got complete freedom to work on any aspect of it. And then a few months later, there's a breakthrough. The team has achieved something no other company has ever been able to do. It's so important and significant that there's going to be a big press conference. The world's media are going to be there. BBC, CNN, Al Jazeera, Sky News, all of them, and everyone is so excited. In fact, the team are going to be on stage for the big announcement. And then Bob hears on the grapevine that at the press conference, the CEO is going to individually thank every member of the team for their specific involvement. And she started to ask what everyone's contribution has been. And that's when Bob's heart sinks and he starts to feel sick. You see, if Bob's honest, he's not really been that excited by the project. Of course, it's been nice bragging to his friends about the big secret, but that's been it. He's just gone to work each day, often arrived late. 
He's enjoyed a few cups of this world-class coffee, joined his old colleagues on their cigarette breaks, had an extended lunch at the gym, and in the afternoon he spent some time with the free cakes and pocketed a few for the extra journey home. As for actual work, well, Bob's gone to every one of those endless team meetings, but he's always sat at the back on his phone. He spent most of his time on Facebook and Instagram reading the latest gossip, and he hasn't replied to many emails. In fact, he doesn't really understand what all the big fuss is about. So when the CEO reads out Bob's name in front of the world's media, there will be nothing for her to say that he's done. He's effectively been robbing the company, and the whole world are going to find out. Well, we all get that employees are paid to work for a company, don't we? During work hours, that's what they're supposed to do. They're paid for time, time to focus on the company's aims. And if they waste that time, well, it's like robbing and they'll be fired. And as Christians, of course, it's a bit different, but there are also similarities. You see, God gives us every minute of our life. He gives us time. And God gives us abilities. In fact, the word talent actually comes from the Bible. And God ultimately, well, he's the one who gives us our possessions. You see, everything we have in life comes from God. And everything we have continues to be God's, like an employee's time during working hours. So when we withhold something from him, we're keeping what is rightfully his from him, and there'll be repercussions. You might have noticed that sometimes in church, after the collection has been taken, I remind us of King David's words in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 14. It says this, For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. You see, when we give money in church, we're not giving God something new. He's not indebted to us. He's not getting richer as we fill the collection plate. The money we give is already God's. We're just giving it back to him. That's quite a shift in thinking, isn't it? And that means that when we do the opposite, when we withhold things from God, we're withholding them from their rightful owner. In effect, we're stealing from God and we can't hide from that. You might have spotted during the reading that Malachi talked of judgment and cursing for those who withheld things from God. So we shouldn't be surprised if our relationship with God suffers when we withhold from him what is rightfully his. But it doesn't have to be like that. Instead, it's down to a relationship. You see, in Malachi, God could have filled the temple storehouse all by himself. If God could rain down manna and quail for 40 years in the desert after the Exodus, well, filling a temple storehouse would be a fairly simple thing for him to do all by himself. But instead, God wants his people to be part of his work. You see, God gives us our income, be that small or big, and he wants us to be part of his work whenever we give back to him. We can give back to him from our time, from our talents and abilities, and from our treasure, our money. These things God has entrusted to us so that we can use them for him. But it's better than just that. It's actually a delight and a blessing to be part of God's work. In verse 16 of chapter 3, it says this, Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, 
And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession and I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. Do you remember that imaginary company? Well, imagine there's another employee, Alice. And unlike Bob, well, Alice was busy in achieving this world-class breakthrough. Okay, so the main idea wasn't hers, but she took it. She ran with it. She improved upon it. She worked a few late nights. She was active in discussions. She'd be debating the issues at lunch and she'd be pondering the problems as she travelled to and from work. You see, for Alice, this upcoming press conference would be one of the proudest moments in her life. Her face would be on the front pages of newspapers around the world. She'd be getting a bonus and a pay increase, maybe even stock options as well. And the CEO would be praising her. She'd probably be invited with her family to the CEO's holiday house in the south of France and the one in the Caribbean, and the private yacht as well, the CEO would be delighting in her. You see, that's what it's like to be part of God's work. As that passage said, to be called God's treasured possession. When we give back to God, when we're active in serving God with what he's given us, well, our relationship with God deepens and he blesses us as we grow closer to him. So how does this passage apply to us? Well, if you call yourself a Christian, do you use your time, your abilities or your money to serve God's kingdom? Have you ever thought of doing that? What has God given you that you could use to bless others? Maybe you retired and you have a bit more time. What could you do with those hours? Maybe you're good at teaching kids or cooking or designing. How could you use those skills? Maybe you have a pension or a job with a wage or a salary. How could you use that money? Now, whenever money and giving crop up, we always want to know how much is expected of us, don't we? Either so that we can pat ourselves on the back that we're already doing that, or so that we can complain that the amount is too high, too unrealistic. Well, first of all, let's remember that all we have is owned by God and comes from him. See, that's why the believers in the early church in Acts, well, they sold their possessions. At the end of chapter two and at the end of chapter four, it says that they sold their possessions and shared everything they had. They used everything for God's work. That puts us all to shame, doesn't it? When we compare ourselves to them, we can't brag about our giving if that's what they did. They understood exactly that everything comes from God. Now, in the New Testament, Christians aren't told how much to give. There's no command. And I can probably hear a huge sigh of relief to everyone listening to this. But because there's no command, people look to the Old Testament for a guideline. You see, in the Old Testament, well, believers gave 10%. So why not aim for that? If you don't yet give anything to God, it's unlikely that you'd be able to start at 10%. Like exercise, it's the kind of thing you need to build up to. So why not start at 5% or 2% or 1% of your income? Make a budget. 
Think about what you don't need to spend money on and work from there. Or maybe if you get a tax rebate or save money on your insurance, why not earmark half of that to God's work instead? And if you already give 10%, well, don't rest on your laurels. Malachi in chapter 3 mentioned tithes and offerings. You see, in the Old Testament, believers gave offerings from their crops, their flocks and their herds to God. And animals were very costly. There were burnt offerings, grain offerings, sin offerings and guilt offerings. But there was also the fellowship offering. And it would be offered for no other reason than thankfulness to God. It was purely to thank God. And it was on top of the 10%. You see, if God has given us everything, well, we have a lot to thank him for, don't we? So why not think about some Christian charities you could give to, in addition to any money you give to church? Now, I'm aware that all this talk of giving is quite a lot to think about. If you're married, you'll probably want to chat these things through with your spouse. And if your partner isn't a Christian, it's highly unlikely that they'll want to give from your household income to church or Christian charities. That's understandable, isn't it? Or if you've got problems with debt or your income isn't regular, that will affect your ability to give also. But what I would say to all of us is give a little. Start with a little giving and build up from there as you're able. You see, remember, it's all down to relationship. So we shouldn't feel guilty. It's all down to thankfulness. God has given us everything and he wants to use us in his work. Not just our time, not just our abilities, but also our money. So let's give some of these things back to him. And let's be blessed as we see him taking them and using them. Because he will. He's a good God and he does not waste anything that we give back to him. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God that everything that we have, everything comes from you. Father, that you have given us these things to look after, to use for your glory, to use for the building up of your kingdom, to use so that other people may come to know you and worship you and be blessed by having a relationship with you as well. And Father, we know that we're not used to thinking about money or at least to talking about it, to talking about our giving, and sometimes it can make us quite uncomfortable. So, Father, we pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to think through what we can do, what we feel comfortable doing. Help us, Father, to talk with our spouse or partner about giving to you and to your work. And, Father, as we give, please help us to be able to give more so that we would be able to bless your work more and more, to bless your name, to bless your kingdom, that we would see your work increasing, your kingdom growing as people come to know you. And Father, as we see you taking what we give, please, Father, would you greatly encourage us so that we would desire to give more and more. Not because the curate or the vicar tells us that we have to, not even because Malachi tells us ha that we have to, but because we want to, because we're thankful and because we cheerfully want to give back to you. So we pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and for his glory, that his kingdom may grow and increase. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you 
on this Father's Day, for all the father figures that you give us, for our own dads and other people who look out for us and guide us and try and show us the right path. Thank you that you put people near us that can help us and be our guides and mentors. But most of all, Father, thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, that you love us as your children, that you sent your Son to die for us, and that you are always the same. You do not change. We can trust you. We can have faith in you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what is more, Father, you love us. Thank you for your perfect love and your perfect justice. Thank you that you will one day restore this world and us. Thank you that we can look forward to that day. Father, we pray for our world and we pray for all the division and hatred and injustice that we see. Most of all, we pray for all the people campaigning at the moment for Black Lives Matter. We pray, Father, that you would help them to be peaceful, to be heard, and that your love would cover everything about these protests, that you would speak through them, as you are through so many different people. And I pray that through them you would help this world to be a more just and equal place. We pray for our country and our city and all the people in it who are still suffering the effects of coronavirus. Those who are sick, but also those who are lonely, cut off from friends or family, unemployed, maybe on furlough, maybe just really struggling with being inside and social distancing. We pray, Father, for all those people we know and those who don't in that situation and I pray that you would help them to see that love can come from lots of different places but most of all through you and your son Jesus and finally we pray for our church of St Anne's thank you for everything that you've given us thank you that the building works are nearly complete there was a time when we didn't even think that might be possible Thank you for that miracle that you've worked, Father. And finally, help us as we go back into that building in a way that none of us has expected or really wanted. Help us, Father, to see that it is your building and it is for you and you work everything for the good of those who love you. And so, Father, I thank you for that and ask us, Please, Father, help us to trust you with what you have planned for St. Anne's next week, next month, next year. In Jesus' name, Amen. And let us close with the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for the kingdom the power and the glory are yours now and forever amen
If you've been with us these past couple of weeks, you will have heard the talks on Malachi chapter 1 and 2. And today, obviously, Matt's brought Malachi chapter 3 to us. And we've been focusing on this book with a view to looking at what our response to God is. We've seen how it's our Christian duty and our Christian privilege to be able to give to God's work and to give out of a sense of gratitude for all that God has done for us and to give the very best of what we have, the first fruits, and not simply giving to God the leftovers once we've spent money on the things that we wanted to spend money on that month, rather to give the first fruits to God. And we've also been challenged about the biblical principle of tithing, giving a tenth of our income to God uh, after tax and national insurance has been taken out. And this is uh, all as a response to what God has done for us, so that through our giving, the work and the mission of God is able to continue. And that's about how we live out our Christian lives. And so the challenge from this series is, how will you respond? You'll be aware that during this period when we are unable to meet in the building, our weekly offering has not been collected. And as a church, we're facing a deficit budget, which we do need to address. We now have this fabulous new building, which we can't wait to start to use, and a building which offers amazing flexibility. But we need to ensure that we're able to continue to run as a church. And there are a number of ways in which people can give to God's work here at St Anne's, chiefly through the parish giving scheme. This is a monthly direct debit that you can specify how much you'd like to go out and on which date of the month you'd like to go out. And this method allows uh, gift aid to be added straight away if that's applicable. For all the information on this and for other ways in which you can give to God's work, do visit our website and subscribe to that weekly newsletter because on the newsletter it tells you exactly how you can do this. Please can I ask you to prayerfully consider how you might respond to the challenge that God has laid before us through studying Malachi. And I realise that for some, the future is uncertain and there are financial implications and concerns and it might be that you need to reduce your monthly giving. But for others, the circumstances might be different and you might be able to consider increasing your monthly giving or setting up a regular method of giving for the first time. However you choose to respond, I want to thank you and to ask you to prayerfully consider this over the coming days and weeks. So for now, as our service draws to a close, let me lead us in a final prayer of blessing. Father, we thank you for the book of Malachi. We thank you for the challenge that it sets before us. And I pray in the coming days and weeks, Lord, you would continue to stir in our hearts, continue to speak to us as to how we might respond to what you are saying to us. We pray your blessing upon us as a church, upon all that you have in store for us. And so now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look kindly upon you and give you his peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you always. Amen. Purify 
Thank you for joining with us this morning and I hope to see you uh, for coffee immediately following this, uh, this service. If not, I'll see you as soon as possible. God bless. Let me be as gold.